welcome to this episode of the This is Believeland Real Browns Fans Podcast. Uh, good news, the Browns are 2-1. and one. But before we get into that, a uh, quick reminder, I am your host, James Estrucci. And of course, Jordan Cohen, my co-host, is with me. Jordan, how are we feeling uh, after that win? Well, uh, to quote Kevin Stefanski, next week we're 0-0 zero and zero and it's the most important game of our season. Um... Which is very much how I'm feeling. As he said, they were, everybody's celebrating a 2-1. He's like, listen, I know we won today. We won today, but next week we're 0-0, zero zero, right? Most part of our season next week. Mm-hmm. And I, that's how I feel. Like, it was a good win. Honestly, the offense was eh. But the defense looked, I mean, and we'll talk about this. The defense looked very good. And, I like, there were clear signs of improvement there. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that. And overall, just, like, good time in my life. So... That's always good, too. That is always good. And uh, we'll get right into all that in just a second. But quick reminder, subscribe, comment, share, like, tell your friends. If you don't, it's stealing. Uh, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor, com, RealBrownsFans.com. All right. Now that I got all of that, you know, kind of, I don't know, just the subscribe stuff out of the way, we can get into the game. So, my main takeaway was this game, like last week's game, kind of stunk, but for different reasons. Um, it wasn't a pretty game, but it was a 20-point win, and you take those, but it didn't seem like a 20-point win. Yeah, I agree. I, so, I think, and let me know if this is where you stand on this, too, like, I think the game against the Texans was just a shitty win. Like, beyond being a shitty game, it was a shitty win. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't feel like a win. This felt like a win. It was just a kind of shitty game, at least from an offensive perspective. Yeah, it, it did feel like a win, where last week really didn't feel as much like a win. This game just kind of stunk for a, a multitude of reasons. Uh, something that I, I do have some concern with... Uh, in regards to the offense is the fact they only scored two touchdown drives on a Bears defense has been riding on a reputation of being good for about five years now when they clearly aren't. Um, So they had two touchdown drives. They had four field goals. Uh, Shout out Chase McLaughlin making two 50-yard field goals. Didn't think that was going to happen ever, but it happened and that was awesome. But um, those field goal drives got to end up in the end zone, especially when we start facing better teams than the Bears. Yeah, well, and I mean, to give the Bears credit, I actually think their pass defense is, again, they're not great in the nickel, and we saw that, uh, mm-hmm. but but given the weapons the Browns had, like Khalil Mack is still a great player, um, and, and I have a Miles Garrett rant to get into it a little bit here, but um, not right now. We'll do it later in the episode, but um, yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think that the the part of the offense to me that was really nice to see was Odell Beckham. Just, I mean, just the, 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 first off, he saves two interceptions, right? With these miraculous catches on slant routes that Baker just didn't throw well. Mm-hmm. Um, then as a decoy, he runs still. Like, it's amazing, honestly. Like, that was his first game rep back. I did not expect his routes to be run that well. I didn't either. Oh, like, he just, he would, listen, they, he clearly, like, I don't necessarily want him playing every snap because I don't want him getting hurt. 
because the snaps, every snap he plays, he's impactful. He's a great run blocker. He runs perfect routes. Mm-hmm. He can catch a ball. Like, I, he, I actually, I, let me put it like this. I think without Odell Beckham, the Browns lose. That's very, that's very possible. Um, I, th- I think the game is uh, a hell of a lot closer if they don't have Odell Beckham. Because <clears throat> he, he's obviously a dynamic player. He's one of the best receivers in the league still. I don't care what anyone says. He's still in that conversation. He's, he's probably closer to the Tier 2 now than the top of Tier 1 where he used to be. But he's still a really good receiver. And he is a difference maker on offense. Okay, the the difference between a game like this and a game a couple weeks ago against the Chiefs is that um, Odell Beckham, his catches and yards that went to David Njoku week one and uh, one more victory lap for me. I said during week one after that game that everything Njoku did was going to go to Odell Beckham Jr. He came back and guess who was a no show yesterday? David Njoku. Uh, yep, hundred <laughs> percent. 100%. Uh, no, he, he wasn't... I, I mean, I, I do think the Bears' defensive game plan was stack the edges of the box and play the tight ends. Mm-hmm. And I think that they did a really good job of that. Um, but still, like, David Njoku wasn't just lined up as a tight end, right? Like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of plays where he was lined up as a receiver, ran a route, a receiver would run. Um, and, and to be fair, like, Bryant was not great, and Hooper was better than the other two, but still not great. Um, I, I, this receiver group worries me, though, like, overall. I mean, ideally, between Schwartz and Felton, one of them will have a good game each week, or they'll both play decent enough that it equates to one having a good game. Mm-hmm. I know Donovan Peoples-Jones had some nice plays, but I don't know, man. I what Donovan Peoples-Jones does well is run block. Mm-hmm. I have yet to see him have an ability to be... Like, Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of these guys that really probably would have been much better as a tight end, but he just isn't the right size for it. Mm-hmm. Um, he runs good routes, but he doesn't run... He's not like Landry, where he can overcome his athleticism mm-hmm. by just this perfect route running. Um, and not that Landry's not athletic, right? But just, like... He's not Odell, but what why Landry has the impact Landry does is because he is probably one of the three best route runners in the NFL. Um, and Peoples Jones just isn't that good. I, I this receiver group scares me, I, and I'm surprised I'm saying that. But if I mean like next week against the Minnesota team that has not been great, but they're better than this Bears team, mm-hmm. uh, Landry's not going to be able to go. And the Vikings are going to say, we will double Odell every play. And we will stack the box. And we'll dare Baker to find the open receiver and the open receiver to beat us. Yeah. I mean, and let's not let's not uh, discount the fact that, you know, Stefanski did spend quite a bit of time in Minnesota uh, under uh, Mike Zimmer as uh, an offensive assistant, eventually coordinator for the Vikings. So if there's someone who knows what Stefanski likes to do, it's going to be the Vikings. So it could be a little bit of a battle for that, but that's that's for our preview pod later in the week. But uh, you're right about this receiver group. I, I think we all 
at least most of us uh, got duped about the depth of this um, coming into the season because it's outside of Beckham and Landry, it's it's a it, yikes is the word I'm going to use for it. It's yikes. Yeah, I, uh, dude, like, I. I don't know. I this offense. It, like, so first off, and I I messaged this to you, and I put it out on Twitter. And nobody really responded, so I don't know. I, I haven't seen anybody else say it, so I'm probably wrong. I, I think something's wrong with Nick Chubb. Like I think, I mean, he had some great plays actually. Like I know, like his numbers weren't good, but like he had a few runs yesterday that were really good. He looks like he's favoring his left leg. Yeah, you you, you said that to me, and I, I was trying to watch him like maybe but i really yeah, could I, mean, I don't know I, if he always has been like that i just haven't noticed it before and, and maybe maybe he is uh that's just something that i really haven't noticed i really it, couldn't get a good look at it injury as much as like it could just be something right like a little something but i to me i wonder is that why he has not been running the balls and i guess he had 22 carries this week yeah, so maybe so, I'm yeah that but, was a, a season high for him already yeah yeah I guess, yeah, you compare that with last week, you even them out, and mm-hmm. the number seems right, right? Yeah. So that's fair. But um, outside of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and the offensive line, was, Jack Conklin was awful, but the the offensive line as a whole was better this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know I saw people like, oh, the offensive line was terrible. Khalil Mack got two sacks. Like, yeah, it's still Khalil Mack. Yeah, Khalil Mack's still Khalil Mack, even though uh, he has his overall – uh, talent level has dropped as he's gotten older, but he's still a very good pass rusher. Yeah, it, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, right? Like they're not the same talents they were, but they're still really good players. Yeah. I, um, so, so to me, I, like people were slamming Jed Wills. Like, actually, that Jed Wills played fine. He's fine. I like, mean, that's that's what he like is. Khalil Mack twice. I'm not gonna like slam you for it as a second year player. Like Khalil Mack's a, like always been beyond just an athlete is a really smart pass rusher Mm -hmm. like he's really clever that's gonna happen yeah i mean it's what it is that's what it is i mean you just gotta take take that sometimes um one more thing about the uh the passing game um kareem hunt made quite the uh impact by basically pulling uh pulling up and uh stepping into what was essentially the jarvis landry role uh, with all those just short receptions and turning them into big gains. And I think Wait, that was very on, important. Hold yeah, hold up. Wait, hold on. So, if I remember correctly, on Thursday when we recorded our last pod, mm-hmm. we both said something like, yeah, Stefanski's going to have to use either Felton or Hunt in the slot a lot yeah. to kind of create that separation in the nickel. Yeah, man. Seems like we may have been right on that one. It's crazy. Uh, the the victory laps for us continue. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this week has been bad. Like this week has been like the ultimate victory lap. Um, but yeah, I, I no, I like. But that's what it's going to be because I don't think Landry's only going to be out three weeks. Um, I don't either. And Kareem Hunt's going to need to fill it, it. Kareem Hunt and Felton will need to fill in that role. They, they do. They, they'll need they'll need one or both or some combination of them to just take up that slack. I mean, they have to be, be creative. I mean, cause they're not gonna be able to just go to the cream hunt. Well, every single time. Um, cause you don't know how much they're gonna want him in the running game. I mean, last week he outrushed Chubb this week, Chubb outrushed hunt. So you never know how they're going to kind of divvy that up. 
But I, I think Hunt's still going to be an impactful uh, player in the receiving game. But what I think this does is it's giving uh, opposing defenses that are game planning for the Browns something else to account for. And I think ultimately that will help open up other aspects of this passing game. Yeah, I agree. I think um, so. Like, can we talk about the elephant in the room? Yeah, let's go. I I don't think Baker looks good. I this week was to me like it. He has progressively gotten worse every game this season. Um, and, and this week was bad. It was against a bad enough defense where it wasn't super noticeable. Mm-hmm. But without Odell Beckham Jr., Baker has two interceptions. Yeah. But Baker's, again, what what's going to happen here, and it happened last week, we're going to have it happen again this week if it hasn't happened already, is that people are going to look at the completions, the attempts, and the fact that he threw one touchdown, no interceptions, and be like, he had a good game. And it's like, numbers can lie if you don't have the right context, or if you're just looking at numbers for the sake of numbers, okay? This is something that me and you have discussed many, many times. Context matters, right. sample size matters. Uh, you just can't look at numbers and judge a player off of that. I mean, the, the there's one sport that you can do that, and that would be baseball, and they have been fighting back against that for the past decade. So you really can't even do that in baseball anymore, okay? So, yeah. <laughs> but looking at Baker, he threw a lot of passes off target yesterday. Uh, he had quite a few just ugly throws. Yeah. <sighs> What we're seeing is essentially the same player we saw last year when it comes to him. Uh, he'll have some good games in, return, in regards to the completion attempts and some yards, but he's going to have these games like Sunday where he didn't look that great, but he'll still accumulate some yards along the way. He's still inconsistent, and I think that's a major issue moving forward for this offense. I, I sent you this text mid-game. And I stand by this, and I will say, like, to this day, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, out of that whole tier, right, the Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, that whole tier, Mm -hmm. I think Garoppolo's the best. I think Baker Mayfield's Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, he's he's up that... In a different way, right, Garoppolo struggles with different things, but it's Mm -hmm. the same overall impact. Um, I think that, and I will get to next week on Thursday, but... um, I think next week we're going to see Mike Zimmer, who's going to run a very similar defense to the Bears, except it's a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, without Odell Beckham, Baker throws two interceptions against the Bears. Yeah. Um, and I know the Vikings don't necessarily have the players, like it, it, they don't have the stars on defense that the Bears do, but I think is a overall unit they're a bit, a bit better uh, across um, the across the board like the average skill level is better but the yeah. bears just have the couple star players that stick out yeah exactly and i think mike zimmer also like i don't i, I get like staley is right now the king deservedly so mm-hmm. mike zimmer is still a really good defensive play caller mm-hmm. like he really understands how to defensively game plan he really does. And again, like I like I just said a, a couple minutes ago, uh, if anyone knows Kevin Stefanski, it's Mike Zimmer, okay? And so yep. he's going to know his tendencies. He's going to know what he likes. He's going to know, like, if if something 
isn't quite going right and he needs like a get right play or get back on track play, he knows what kind of concepts that Stefanski's going to want to run. Okay, so, but again, we'll get more into that on Thursday. Let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But, um, this, this outing from Baker Mayfield, getting back on track, uh, was not necessarily all that surprising for, for me. It, I'm like, okay, this is exactly what I expect out of him. He's going to complete probably in that, what is this, mid-60% range of passes. He's going to look okay. Um, I think this is the first game where he had more air yards than yak yards, but I'm not positive on that. Yeah, uh, but I don't care what, like, at some point, like, and I get you on that stat, I agree with you on that stat. I think this was, I, I, you can I, I'm sorry, I cannot be convinced this was not Baker's worst game of this oh, season. Oh, I'm not, I'm not saying that he had a, like, a, a particularly I, good game. I, I'm with I you mean, there. Like, in a lot of those air yards came on those two throws to Odell mm-hmm. that were, like, those long slants that Odell saved interceptions on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I I mean, I, I don't know, man. I That game, to me, is very concerning because it's the first time we face that kind of, that, like, crazy kind of zone, like, almost like cover sixy type defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, we're going to play the chargers, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what Brandon Staley does better than anybody, even better than Mike Zimmer, because mm-hmm. that's like Staley has a new version of that defense. And here's the thing about that defense. Um, it's designed to beat offenses like this. And that's my worry about Baker, right? Like most teams cannot run that defense. It's very complex. It takes a lot of practice. You can't just like go play that defense in a playoff game. Yeah. Um, but like the Browns eventually are going to probably need to beat a team that plays that defense. If not this year, then next year, because everybody's going to start hiring from that tree, right? We're seeing how good Raheem Morris looks in Los Angeles this year, mm-hmm. following after Brandon Staley. And it's like, okay, the guys that know how to coach this defense are going to start flying off. Like just everybody's going to hire them. It's yeah. going to be like when Sean McVay had that first year in uh, for the Rams. Mm-hmm. And, Eventually, Baker's going to need to be able to counter it, and if not, then then you're going to have to deal with it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and something that I've said many times, I've said it on the podcast, I've written the phrase, I've tweeted the phrase many times, uh, this is a game that the Browns won with Baker Mayfield, not because of Baker Mayfield, and at some point that needs to change. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I know this is hard to say because they're, the Bears' offense just looks so bad, and we'll get to the positives here in a second, mm-hmm. but... I know the Bears' offense looks so bad, so it's hard to say. I would almost come close to saying this was a game the Browns won in spite of Baker Mayfield. I'm with you there. I really thought he played awful. I thought he got lucky on a lot of plays. I thought some of those sacks, like one of the Kilo Max sacks, where everybody was blaming Jet Wills, like Baker held on to that ball way too long. Every time Baker got sacked, uh, I'm not necessarily blaming the line on any of those sacks. They were just, it looked like just Baker didn't have any sort of pocket presence or awareness to to do anything. Um, one, of the st- one of the analytics things that I've come around on, and it's really because I think it's not phrased correctly, but the, a lot of the analytics guys on Twitter will say sacks are a quarterback stat. Um, and when I first heard that, I was like, well, that's silly, but... Like, the more and more I think about it, what I think that is actually getting at is 
plays like that, right? Mm-hmm. If you have Bakhtiari as the left tackle, Baker doesn't get sacked, mm-hmm. right? But but given a above-average offensive lineman like Jed Wills, but not every quarterback waits that long to throw that pass, right? And it just takes Baker that long to kind of make that read. Um, and so I, I think that's what it's getting at, and I, I buy that. And I think that is – listen, I would rather Baker take a sack than do what he did two years ago where if he was about to get hit, he just threw it down the middle of the field. is like a Hail Mary pass. Yeah. Um, but but – and there have been plenty of great quarterbacks that just take a lot of sacks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's the end of the world. But it, it is frustrating. I wouldn't say concerning, but it's frustrating. It, it is frustrating. And, and... – for what it's worth, those quarterbacks that, that take the sack just to get to the next down, they're also better in straight back, uh, drop back passing situations than right. Baker Mayfield right. is. So that they're able to much, I guess, with greater ease, convert that first down where the Browns may end up punting or it becomes quite the struggle to get there. Um, also, the Browns figured it out in the second half. So I'm not, again, it's not like you said this last week, right? Like, it's not nothing I'm concerned with yet, but it was something that caught my eye. The Browns' play action was not working in the first half. No. Um, it's something that I'm starting to become just a little bit concerned with. Um, how much the Browns have to rely on the bootleg for yeah. play action. Because... And it worked the first two games. And then the first half of this game, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It, it... And that's what's scary to me. That, that's what it is. It's, it's a very... Like let's let, let's let's be real here. Baker Mayfield needs that the you know the the boot or the rollout to actually right. be effective in play action on a consistent basis. Okay, right. that's just that's just how it is. Right. Uh, and like, listen, every quarterback <clears throat> is better on play action, right? Like, yeah. uh, every quarterback's better on play action. But yeah. I think, like, to me, right, and maybe this is just a scheme thing, right? Maybe mm-hmm. that first half part of what was going on is there's like no receivers outside of Odell. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in the second half, they kind of figured out like, oh, wait, hold on. We'll just throw Kareem Hunt in here and bam, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Play action's working again. Yeah. Uh, which is, I think really what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just would be interested in watching that as the season goes on. Yeah. Also, what I will say, what, here's my big positive outside of Odell for the offense. Kevin Spansky, like just broke out all of the motion plays this week mm-hmm. and it was great. Baker was making like. Baker wasn't throwing the ball well, but he was making the right reads a lot of the time, and that was because of all that motion. Yeah. And there's, like, nothing a a defense can do about it, unless you're, like, one of those cover six defenses like the Rams were last year. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. So I think this is a good time to switch to some positive, which means we're about to talk about the defense. And a little precursor before we get into the defense. Um Matt Nagy is the worst coach in the NFL right now. I I cannot be convinced otherwise. He is the absolute worst coach in the NFL. He basically threw Justin Fields under the bus with everything that he did. That offense was terrible. Um, that dude, his offensive schemes, what he did for Justin Fields, it, it reminded me a lot of the shit that Hugh Jackson did here. Okay? Yeah. It was bad. Now... With all of that being said, the Browns defense took advantage of facing uh, the second version of Hugh Jackson uh, over on the Bears sideline because uh, 
Nine sacks, four and a half for Miles Garrett, a new team record, which was previously held by Andre Davis, which was very surprising. (laughs) (laughs) Which I looked into that game that he had the four sacks. Three of them were on, uh, oh God, Trent Green. And one was on Dante Hall. And what must have been some sort of trick play? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. But nine sacks, you, you take that every day of the week. Uh, they basically smothered the Bears' offense. 47 yeah. total yards. That's the lowest amount that the Browns have allowed since 1946. Yeah. No, I mean, it was... And it's funny. The first few drives, the Bears were tearing us up on the run. Mm-hmm. And they were tearing us up for one reason, which is Miles Garrett doesn't run defense. Mm-hmm. Um and then the Browns figured out, wait, hold on, we'll just put JOK behind Miles Garrett. Boom, run game issue solved. Mm-hmm. And that is what they will do the rest of this season. Yeah, JOK. JOK yeah, playing a ton. Yeah, hashtag my linebacker. Um, no, JOK, as good as Miles Garrett was after that point, and he was, he was out, outstanding game. Like, there's no other way. Like, I've been a critic. Uh, just unbelievable game. But. JOK, like, quietly, not really that quietly, but J, I mean, that dude transformed a defense. It was his third game in the NFL, mm-hmm. and our defense went from what I thought the first few drives of that game was going to be, we probably would give up 14-ish points, two touchdowns-ish, yeah. to uh, just dominating. Um. And Mac Wilson played less snaps than Elijah Lee, which we all love to hear. Yes. Uh, guess what happened when Mac Wilson doesn't play snaps? Uh, Brown's play action defense isn't the worst in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mac- it's <laughs> almost like all these teams were targeting Mac Wilson on play action when he was in the game for two years straight, and now we got a linebacker. Mac Wilson's not in the game, and they don't have anybody to target. It's crazy. Uh, you know, the one thing we've said is that. Mac Wilson bites on every play action fake. Uh, if it's a counter, hey, to be fair, Mac he, Wilson bites on every misdirection. Yeah, so counter also gets yeah. he bites on every counter. But counter draw play action <clears throat> end around flea it's, flicker. It's absolutely insane. Okay, so he only played twelve snaps yesterday. Uh, I hope to see that number continue to go down. Uh, Elijah Lee with fifteen, JOK with twenty three, fifty one percent of the snaps. Uh, on Sunday, but more JOK. Just, just give me more JOK. There's, there's no reason he should not be playing more snaps. I mean, dude, he was P, he is PFF's fifth highest graded defensive player of the season, of the season. And as we know, Pro Football Focus is not very uh, friendly to the linebacker position. Right, right. I mean, like it is like Luke Keekley level good. Not, I mean, I'm not saying he's Luke Keekley. Don't get me wrong. I just it's mean, only like, three games, so... Right. It's all, no, no, right. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me be clear. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, like, his performance to get that type of grade out of PFF has to be in, like, those same areas, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, do you know who, um, uh, who played uh, yesterday, who I didn't even realize played yesterday? Who? Uh, Tony Fields. Yeah. Tony Fields, there was a few snaps he was in there. Yeah, uh, 17 special teams snaps. Yep. Yeah, special teams, Kevin Spancy said it, and he's 100% right. Like, 
that may have been the best special teams performance from the Browns I've seen in three years. Mm-hmm. Four years, maybe. I mean, that we were just dominant. Yeah, uh, and again, uh, not the most uh, sexy part of the game, but special teams matters. Uh, Especially in a game like this. A, a game like this, for sure. But, you know, when you look at, you know, some of the best coaches to ever coach in the NFL, specifically one, Bill Belichick, he places an emphasis on special teams for a reason. Yeah. Um, So when it comes to special teams, I'm going to side with the the best coach ever. (laughs) Oh, oh, no. I I think special teams matters. I I think that it matters. Like, I don't think – listen, having the best special teams in the NFL – isn't going to get you the playoffs. No, it's not. If you are a playoff team, having the best special teams in the NFL may make a difference in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I always use it. I've always viewed it. Yeah. Um, also looking at snap counts, uh, another uh, zero snap day for one Andrew Billings. Yeah, no, dude. Everybody, like, I don't know how he made the roster over Kadero Hodge. Speaking of good special teams players. Yep. I know, different side of the ball, totally used for totally different purposes. But I don't know how he made the roster. Yeah, he's not even playing. They're, they're paying him money not even play. I don't get it. Yeah. But <clears throat> is there anything you want to highlight from the defensive side of the ball? Um. So I, I do want to say one thing about Miles Garrett. Uh, and and Jadavion Clowney looked good, too, to give him credit. Oh, yeah, hey, he did something. We, yeah, we are his biggest critics. He played well. Even on the plays where he didn't get end product, like he was making a big difference out there. So <laughs> to give him credit, let's do. Uh, one thing I will say is this game emphasized all of the reasons why you should and why you should not pay edge rushers massive contracts. Um, and the reality to me is even without Miles Garrett, I think we win this game. <laughs> I don't know that we win it by as much. But I think, like, Miles Garrett made the defense dominant yesterday. But the defense would have been just good to good to very good without him. Um, and that is, like, always my... So, right, again, it's like the playoff thing, right? Having Miles Garrett can win you a playoff game or two or three even. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I'm not happy he's a Brown, because I am. But I am worried about the composition of defensive spending going forward. Uh, Denzel Ward looks awful this season. Yeah. He looks awful. Uh, Greg Newsom doesn't look awful, which is good news. And, like, the thing about defense, like, cornerbacks especially, is, like, generally they regress towards the mean, even if it takes place over the course of the full season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Denzel Ward's mean, we know, is pretty high. Um, And he's just been bad the first three games. But, like, to me, it gets concerning, right? So, let's say Denzel Ward continues like this. The Browns probably don't re-sign him. Uh, I, at this point, have accepted I think Baker's going to get a new contract unless the season just turns to shit for him. Um, Whether I like it or not, like, I think he's going to get a new contract. Um, And then you're all of a sudden paying an edge rusher and a quarterback, like most of your salary cap mm-hmm. um and and that's just a concern to me going forward i i'm 
I, Miles to me has games like that, and that's awesome. It, this was his first game looking like he was done with COVID, which is great. I'm yes. really ecstatic about that. Um, it's just a concern for me. Like I don't think Miles Garrett's what made the defense as good as it was yet. I think he was cherry on top, like a really delicious cherry on top. But that, like, to give Joe Woods credit, that was a great defensive game plan. Joe Woods needed to show up, and Joe Woods showed up. Um, not that it was necessarily difficult, but Joe Woods showed up. Yeah, he did. And that's this was the first time that you saw the defense do something, and you said, hey, this was good. Again, Matt Nagy is a terrible coach and did not help his yep. team, and the Bears' offensive line is a dumpster fire. Yep. However, th- these are the games where you need to see the defense take advantage of that, and they did, and that's really yep. that's really important. Which, that's another highlight. Uh, Joe Woods, that was a really good game. And, like, my hope, and this is what our friend on the Real Browns fans Twitter account has said for a long time, mm-hmm. is that Joe Woods runs a really complicated defensive scheme. Joe Woods has not had the same defensive play caller for either, like, he didn't. BJ Goodson caught plays last year. BJ Goodson's gone. Second mm-hmm. guy who caught the plays last year is Anderson Dejo. Anderson Dejo is gone. Now this year it was Anthony Walker. Anthony Walker's gone. So now it is Malcolm Smith who's doing a fine job doing it. But it like I get it. Like it, there has been a lot of inconsistency. But at some point it's not an excuse anymore. Um, yeah. And I think Joe Woods showed that right. Like we looked good yesterday. Will we look good against Minnesota? I don't know. I think. It's going to be a challenge, but we'll get there when we get there. Uh, but I'm willing to take this game for what it was, which is I think Joe Woods used that quarters coverage and just the four rushers, a master class. And you know what he did, by the way? We <laughs> called this too. JOK spied Justin Fields a very large chunk of that game. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's almost and, it's, it's almost like we know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think it was a great game plan. Um, there were some things he did that were really cool out there, like some of the mixing up of coverages. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that more. So I shared a stat with you today. Uh, Eric Eager tweeted it out, mm-hmm. and it was that the only two teams that switch out of base more than they play base. So not base. I'm sorry. The only teams that switch out of the form out of the coverage they show more than they keep the coverage they show are the Rams and the Chargers, so the two Staley defenses. I would like to see the Browns do that. I, I don't see why defenses don't do that for the same reason I don't see why offenses don't run play action more. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's what you do. Football is a game of milliseconds. Every millisecond you have your opponent confused gives you a better chance of winning not just the play but the game. And I think teams should be switched. Because here's the thing. You can show cover two, but you can switch cover two to anything, right? Like cover two could become a Tampa two. It could become a cover three. It could become a cover one. It could become a quarters. It could be an all out blitz, right? Like, yeah, it could be cover four, but you're showing two. Right. Exactly. It could be anything. So I don't understand. Like I, and Woods did that a lot yesterday. And I want to see that more and more. I do too. I want to see, I want to see us would not run the coverage we show. Because there's no reason to. There's no reason to. And to me, 
I, I that's what I want to see more of. Um, and my hope is that we will. I think yesterday was a good sign. So, again, it was Matt Nagy who I would say the only one I'll say may be in contention with Matt Nagy right now is Robert Sala. Um, because that Jets team is like, like I, I don't think that's a good roster, but like, oh boy, they look awful. Oh, the Jets do look awful. Um, but it's only his third game. Yeah, it's only his third game, and we have a larger sample size with yeah. Mr. Uh, Matt Nagy, and yeah. he stinks. Yeah. Well, and, like, I was listening to a few podcasts saying, like, they all were saying the same thing. Like, Matt Nagy did this with Mitch Trubisky a lot, where, like, he would come out with a game plan that was, like, clearly designed to signal the Bears' management, or, like, we thought was clearly designed to say, like, I can't win with this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm running, like, an idiot's playbook, and this guy can't master it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, consequence that is he was running idiot's playbook, so defense has figured it out. That's what he did yesterday. It is. Uh, th- that offense they were running, it was the Andy Dalton offense, pretty much. And, like, and... I got to be honest, like, Justin Fields seems like a really intelligent quarterback. Like, that, to me, was never his issue at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never the issue in film. Like, he holds on to the ball a long time, but that's not because he's a dumb quarterback, right? Like, there, there's a difference, right? Like, I think the same thing about Baker. Baker holds on to the ball a long time. He makes the wrong throws. But, like, I think Baker knows what he's doing out there. Um, I think he knows what he's doing in coverage to manipulate coverages. I don't know why they did what – why Nagy did what he did with Fields. It didn't work, right? It wasn't like he ran out something complicated and it wasn't working. He ran out literally the most simple offense you could imagine, and it didn't work. They, mm-hmm. you, you say that he ran the Andy Dalton offense. That's not true. Andy Dalton ran the ball more than Justin Fields did. Yeah, that that is that is fair. Um, I I will say that the the Bears were down for the overall majority of the game, right. and right. so they had to pass more. Yeah, uh, they they did call uh, just probably around thirty passing plays compared to mm-hmm. ten David Montgomery runs, which made no sense. Um, but. Looking at this game and, and thinking back and to my analogy of calling Matt Nagy the modern Hugh Jackson, this reminded me a hell of a lot of that game during the 0-16 year where they trotted out Kevin Hogan against the Texans. My man! But I, I, nobody was happy with Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, I was just like, let's try Kevin Hogan. So, I, you know, my theory's always been it's like, oh, you want Kevin Hogan? I'll give you Kevin Hogan. And that game stunk. And this yeah. that, that's what this game reminded me of. Well, is that... here's the problem. Justin Fields was a first round pick. It, yes. And like you like listen, you ruined Kevin Hogan, like sucks for Kevin Hogan, but like it doesn't cost the franchise anything. Mm-hmm. You can't ruin Justin Fields. If Justin Fields truly wasn't ready, Nagy should not have put him in there. Period. Yeah. Right? I mean it's that simple. Like Everybody's like, oh, well, fans were demanding it. Who cares? Who the fuck cares? Are fans still going to the games? If the answer is yes, it doesn't matter. I have a feeling uh, that Justin Fields starting instead of uh, instead of Foles was directly uh, not a na- uh, naggy decision. Because you look at uh, his quotes from, you know, leading into this week and before the season and even today where he said he's not even sure who the starting quarterback for this Sunday is going to be, whether it be Fields, Dalton, or Foles. So all three of those guys are in the mix right now. It seems like he's just playing, um, I don't know, just I'm going to pick a quarterback and see what happens. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I don't know, man. I, I that Bears team is a dumpster fire. Like I'm, and I know Tevin Coleman got hurt, but like I still thought, I I didn't think they were going to be a great team, but I thought they could win six, seven games this year. I thought they could too, and and maybe they still do, but it looks like it's going to be tough to get to that yeah. number. I mean, so I know, I, you know, I don't know. Akeem Hicks almost got traded this offseason. Just there was the Bears were asking too much for him. Mm-hmm. If I'm the Browns, I'm keeping a very close eye on Akeem Hicks. I know he's not the same defensive tackle he was, but he's an upgrade over whoever we have starting next to Malik Jackson, which mm-hmm. I guess is Malik McDowell in this case. Akeem Hicks is still better than Malik McDowell. Yeah. I would um, keep tabs on it for sure. Yeah. Like, that's a guy in, like, some team that needs, you know, like, the Raiders could really use a pass rusher right now. The Raiders should go for Khalil Mack. Wouldn't that um, be crazy? That would be hilarious. Um, for a whole bunch of reasons. By the way, like, just an aside, the Raiders look really good this year. They do. They Only do. three games. Sample size, fair. But they look really good. Derek Carr looks really good. Um, John Gruden looks like John Gruden. So we'll see. Yeah, the, the Raiders are looking uh, pretty good. Um, you know who sucks? The Chiefs. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, oh, real, real quick, uh, another victory lap I'd like to take. Uh, Rashard Higgins, two catches, 24 yards. Crazy. Yeah. Um, no, no, Rashard Higgins, even without Jarvis Landry, I know he played more snaps this week, but like he is not a key cog in that offense, and he never will be. Yeah, I mean, he's, I don't want to say he's had, like, chances, chances, because he really hasn't, but, uh, listen, his his place on the hierarchy of the receivers and even pass-catching options on this offense is pretty much solidified at, towards the bottom, if not at it, okay? Right. Well, you know who he is, and he's, like, right, like, he's not going to develop anymore, and this, I think, will be his last year, probably, on a good team Mm -hmm. in the NFL. I think from here on out, he's going to end up on these crappy teams that just need a receiver. Yeah, he's going to just kind of bounce around, and I think that's it. I mean, because, I mean, let's be real here. Uh, they're they're not going to the Rashard Higgins well, <laughs> despite the uh, how much people want this uh, to happen uh, and keep complaining on Twitter, which is crazy. To me. Yeah. Od- Odell and Hunt, like, we were lucky in a way. Not as much with Hunt, but, like, that Odell came back as healthy as he did. I mean, he looked... I, I still can't get over how good he looked. That was one of his best games as a Brown. And he clearly is still not playing at 100%. Yeah, he even said uh, after the game that uh, he doesn't have his legs underneath him yet. and Right. Which is completely understandable. I mean, it's his first game action in almost a year. Yeah. So you know what this game did show to me about that, though? Is <laughs> that I don't think Odell was ever the problem. I And the, as critical as I was of Baker this game, this was still better than the first half season last year, Baker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they figured stuff out with Baker that can work. And they just did it after Odell, or like right towards when Odell was getting got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think to me it shows like 
Odell with even a decent quarterback mm-hmm. can be one of the best receivers in the NFL. Absolutely. I mean, if there's any narrative I want to die the most horrible death of all time, it is the the Browns are better without Odell Beckham Jr. narrative because that's complete yeah. nonsense. Okay. It's so stupid. It is so it's always so stupid. Dumb. It, it doesn't make sense. It it's not even based on information. It's just a bad opinion. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It's here. listen. Odell Beckham looked good with old man Eli Manning throwing him the ball. Yeah. And like, that, was, that was like end of career Eli. End of career yeah. Eli was terrible. Yeah. I, I never bought this idea that like somehow Odell can make it work with Eli Manning. They couldn't throw the ball 10 yards. But with Baker Mayfield, like all of a sudden Odell turned to shit. Like I, I didn't believe that. I I thought there was clearly it was on. And I don't buy. I'm sorry. I don't buy the chemistry argument to the degree people are making it. Right. Like I buy the chemistry argument a little bit. But not, like, people are like, oh, well, it's just they don't have chemistry. Like, oh, no, no, that's not what it is, right? Like, we see new quarterbacks come in all the time and throw the ball to receivers all the time, right? And, like, they don't throw the ball to each other a lot because it's a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Baker wasn't reading Odell's option routes well because Odell gets a lot of freedom, as he should. Yeah. and We saw why. Yeah, and that has to be what it was, is that he wasn't reading the options correctly. This game, he was. And, like, Odell had options, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's what made him so deadly as a decoy this game. He had options. Like, the Bears didn't know what to do. Because if he was just running straight slant routes, it would have been guarding him, right? Like, he wouldn't be doing what he was doing. It was that he was, like, he had, like, three different route trees every play. And... Baker was just reading it better. He was, and so that is a step in the right direction for Baker in regards to the whole uh, OBJ dynamic. Okay, I'm knocking on my wood table right now, but with how good Cream Hunt looks, with how good Odell looked without his legs under him, and by the way, Cream Hunt's looked good all season. Sorry, that was an aside. Um, with how good Odell looked without his legs under him, if Jarvis Landry can come back and all three of those guys can be healthy. Oh boy, Nick Chubb is gonna feast. Mm-hmm. Nick Chubb is gonna feast. Yeah. Or Nick Chubb's not gonna feast, and those three are gonna feast. But you can't stop all four. No, you can't. You you really can't. You you just gotta you gotta pick a, which way you want to get beat by, essentially. Um, yeah. If you're the defense, I mean, Pete Smith's gonna say they're just gonna pick getting beat by Jarvis Landry because he's so average. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> the, the dude has been anything but, con- you know, he's been just consistent his entire career, but yeah, okay. Yeah, consistently all, or consistency, consistent pro bowler. Yeah. His whole career. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. You know, the dude yeah. just, he, he catches a ton of passes. Oh my God, that's so bad. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I. It's funny, like, Pete Smith is like, clearly just the smartest guy in the room because he's the only guy literally on the planet that knows football mm-hmm. who thinks Richard Higgins is a better receiver than Jarvis Landry. Well, that and the, the one guy that uh, hopped into my mentions about a year ago and was uh, getting to an argument about me about uh, Mr. Higgins and, and <clears throat> uh, Odell Beckham and, you know, his fundamental uh, misunderstanding of how stats work. So that was fun. Um, yeah. 
I mean, the guy's got a pinned tweet called, like, The Legend of Hollywood Higgins or some crap like that. Uh, it's like, I'm like, dude, come on. I don't know how he became a cult hero. Like, it, so, like, I get, like, there are some players that just, like, do, like, few niche things really well and they become cult heroes because of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's cool to me. Like, Josh McCown is one of those guys, right? Yeah. Like, Josh McCown, Ryan Fitzpatrick, these guys are cult heroes. That's cool to me. I don't, for the life of me, understand how Richard Higgins became a cult hero. So here's my theory on it. And it's just because I've seen it happen so many times with so many other players on the Browns over the years. Uh, and I'll mention the other one I can off the top of my head in a second. It's that he was just like one of the better players on a team that was just absolute dog shit. Okay. And so he looked better by comparison because compared to him, it was terrible. Okay. The other player I'm thinking of right now is Duke Johnson, okay? Yeah, Duke, Duke, Johnson, Duke Johnson was the same thing. Duke Johnson stinks, okay? It's not yeah. that we we're, weren't using him correctly. He's just not good. I'm sorry. Yeah. I had hope, too. It didn't work out. He's continued to bounce around the league for a reason. Yeah. Okay? It's not that every team doesn't know how to use him. It's that he's not good at football. Yeah, I mean, like, and you and I have talked about this, like, as much as we criticize Hugh Jackson, he deserves it. Mm -hmm. As much as we criticize Hugh Jackson, he deserves it. Hugh Jackson was still an NFL head coach, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Hugh Jackson wasn't a good NFL head coach, but, like, he wasn't a complete moron when it came to player evaluation. And the reason you know that is, like, there was no player that, like, Hugh Jackson, like, Hugh Jackson was not making starting roster decisions that, like, many coaches would have disagreed with. You're right. Um, some, yeah. And I think where Hugh Jackson struggles is where a lot of these guys struggle, which is, like, being able to teach the players what you need them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he was, like, maybe the worst in my lifetime as a Browns coach at doing that. Yeah, you're right about, like, overall starting lineups and putting stuff together. He, he wasn't making, like, colossal mistakes in that aspect. His ultimate downfall and was the fact that he didn't understand the talent level of his roster. So he was trying right. to have them do things that you need one of the best rosters in the league to do, but they had one of the worst. Well, I, I would say even further than that, I, he may have understood it. I just don't think he cared. Well, there's that, too. I think, too. That, was, I think that's another I think aspect. that was his issue. I think he probably did understand it, but I think he he want, Hugh Jackson always, when he was in Oakland, when he was the Bengals offensive coordinator, and when he was here, it was always the same thing. Hugh Jackson wanted to be the smart guy in the room. That's why Hugh Jackson fit in so well at that initial Browns analytics front office. Right, literally, they know all of them wanted to be the smart guy in the room, and that's where things went to shit. But um, <laughs> like that, it was just like everybody in that front office was the smartest guy in the room. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but no, but like point being, going back to Johnson, going back to this for Charting, it's like NFL coaches aren't stupid, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think the guy in Detroit, uh, McCarthy in Detroit, that's his, what's his last name, Campbell, Dan Campbell. Oh, Dan Campbell, yep. I, I, nothing I've seen from the Lions this season suggests to me, I, I mean, even the Ravens game yesterday, mm-hmm. nothing suggests to me that Dan Campbell resembles a good NFL head coach. Uh, Dan Campbell's not dumb. Like, he gets football better than most fans. 
Yeah. Like 99.99% of fans, Dan Campbell knows more about football than them. It's the other parts, right? Like mm. this, like it's cool as a fan to watch like what happened tactically during a match or during a game mm-hmm. that determined who won. But I think most coaches can predict that stuff going into the game. It's about how they teach their players to counter it in a limited time frame mm-hmm. and how their players can counter it. Like if those players have the capability. Um, and I think that's like what I will say about Kevin Stefanski uh, to the day I die is Kevin Stefanski can teach these guys how to execute a game plan as good as some of the best offensive coordinators, offensive play callers in the NFL. Um. And to me, like, that's why he won coach of the year last year. Mm-hmm. I think that's why we're still 2-1 this year. And, like, I don't think the offense has been as good as the numbers, but, like, to give the offense credit, they have scored a lot of points in all three games. Again, I think part of that's luck, but to, to be fair, they have. Yeah, they have. Um, the, <laughs> this past outing was their least amount of points they've scored so far. And 26 isn't bad, right? Like, with this Browns team, I think you probably want more than that. I think the the auto win for this Browns team is probably closer to, like, 35, just because of how bad this defense can look. Mm-hmm. But given how we went up, I think the Browns are pretty confident, and then they just ran the ball to death and played ball control. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I mean, it, <clears throat> from my perspective, I'm happy that the Browns won. But... I'm still waiting for one of those games where they just dominate in every facet of the game and look awesome and beat the oh, yeah. shit out of a team. Okay, like yeah. all, all things considered, this is this was a game where they should have won by thirty plus. Okay, right, maybe even forty. Okay, because I, like, of how bad the Bears. Half was, that our first half was just so bad. It was very bad. I just I'm waiting for one of those games where they just they dominate for all sixty minutes from start to finish. Like it's right. not even close. It's not a contest. Like there is no real discussion about who wins the game. Uh, like after five to ten minutes into it, okay. So that's right. where I'm at. Like yeah, they won. Well, and that's awesome. been the problem all three games, right? First half against the Chiefs, we were great, and then second half we were bad, terrible. Mm-hmm. First half against the Texans, we were terrible. Second half we were great. First half against the Bears, we were still pretty terrible. Second half, we were great. Mm-hmm. Like, we are only doing it for a half at a time. Yeah. And that's what I want to see change. Yeah, I, I just... Like, I'm not I'm not mad that they won. I'm not unhappy. I'm happy they won. They're 2-1. No, okay. okay. This game was... Mu- I felt much happier after watching it than I did the last game. Mm-hmm. I don't feel as happy as I did after they lost to the Chiefs, which is kind of ironic. Um, but but I, I'm much happier. I just I have questions. Yeah. Um, you know, I got I got questions. So I think, and we'll talk about Minnesota on Thursday. But I think Minnesota will be a good test. I think we have a few games coming up that I think will be good tests. So my hope is that in about three to four weeks, we know much more about who this Browns team is. And I, I think we will. I think we'll have a much better idea. Um, luckily, luckily for them, they they have a, 
it's not a soft schedule, but it, it, there's definitely a stretch later in the year where it's pretty tough. So it, if there's a time to start figuring some stuff out, it's it's going to be like now. Um, yeah. But the Browns are two and one. Um, still, I guess, in discussion for first place in the division. However, that all sorts out. It's way too early for all that crap. But um... <laughs> no, man, it's not too early. Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> But although I'm, t- I may have to take this L on Joe Burrow. I will say that. Yeah, I, I've been saying here. I, I, mean, I may have to take L. He's looked good this season. Yeah. Hey, shit happens. Um, you know we'll we'll have a, a nice good look at him when the Browns play him in a couple weeks. Yep. But uh, for now, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the This Is Believe in Real Browns Fans podcast. Remember. Uh, to subscribe, comment, share, like, tell your friends. If you don't, it's stealing. Uh, we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. This is BelieveOne.com, SoundCloud, and RealBrownsFans.com. <laughs>